Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Front Free, the not really new football podcast. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me, as always, is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Yeah, That was interesting. And of course, uh, the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. What? Hang on. Oh. Hang about. You're, you're not Dave. Who's this? Who who else is here? It's it's me. Oh, it's Kristen Henning. Who the hell is me? Ah, oh, Dave. Apparently, Dave has more important things to do. So we've done a substitute appearance today. We've got the main man himself, Kristen Hennigin. For those who don't know who you are, Kristen, I, I don't know how that's even possible. But introduce yourself. Tell tell the good people a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a, a journalist. I cover MLS, Premier League, all that kind of stuff. I do a bit of scouting now and again as well. So I'm a, a man of many trades, master of none, quite yet. Ooh la la! See, not bad. We used not... to do a podcast together, actually, weirdly. So this is a bit of a throwback. We did. Oh, it's a deja vu for you guys. Um, that's how we met, actually. Yeah, that's how Kristen knows all this. So, so there you go, Kristen making a late substitute appearance. He's on the pitch. So let's get on with episode eight, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, again, all the support we get on Twitter is amazing. My favorite comment of the week goes to Island Tiger on iTunes who said every week I look forward to this podcast as much as any TV show Loza is a legend what do you make of that Lawrence? oh that's very nice of him yeah uh, you know, I, don't, I don't mind very I don't get nice Dave probably doesn't mind either but anyway on with the show episode 8 starting with a little bit of news we should probably talk a little bit about Barcelona winning the treble you know it did happen a few days ago but I just want to mention Lawrence that me and Dave called it perfectly 3-1 to Barcelona bang on you got it completely yeah. wrong you know, any thoughts on what, that? What did I say? You said 2-1. Yeah, God, I was a million miles away, wasn't you, I? You were, because, I mean, it wasn't like Neymar scored in the last minute or anything. Yeah. But, Lawrence, what Prick. do you think? Lawrence, what do you think? You were both <laughs> swimming upstream saying Barcelona were going to win, though, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, really. It's, it's like that Listen, time I, I predicted the that Spain would win the Euro 2012. God. Lawrence, what did you make of the win? Barcelona completely deserved it. Best team in Europe. Uh, I mean, they've actually done that, the Champions League, haven't they? They've gone against all the champions. Some people say not the champions at their peak, but still champions. It's a grand slam. slam. In a way, I mean, that's tennis, but all right. Um, I mean, the ultimate ultimate thing there was that they, in the final, put in a a final performance, which uh, actually was a bit of a strange one. Because in the beginning of the second half, and I don't know if you noticed this as well, Chris, but... It was almost as if that was the slowest they looked all season when Juve got their goal. I would say so. I, th- I thought they were certainly good in patches. And while certainly Juventus had moments, 
I never felt as if it was going to get away from Barcelona in that sense. I felt like they were in constant control. Did you and know, I think what about when Juventus got, you know, Barcelona were all over it in the first half, but Juventus, when, when they pulled back that equaliser, there was maybe 10 minutes when it looked like maybe they could sneak it? It felt like a breeze rather than the wind turning. Oh, I like that. Um, and I think that's what we have to remember is as well, that we can praise uh, Luis Enrique a lot at the moment. We can... You know, reference the fact that he's essentially done what Pep Guardiola did by winning the treble in his first season. But it wasn't always that smooth for him. November, December, even January, there was so much criticism surrounding him and that team and his fractious relationship with, with Lionel Messi. But you can still see little nuances that he's brought in. He's not just come and been a caretaker of this team. They don't press as intensely. And I think that was shown on, on the weekend against Juventus. So there are little kinks that he's brought into this side. And I think some of those kings have helped them be uh, as good for as long as they have been because maybe in terms of the pressure, for example, they're not um, as tired and they're not exerting themselves as much and they're saving their energy and, and it's helping them keep this longevity. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I think the question that a lot of people are asking right now is you know, completely hypothetical, but people are asking, is this team better than the Guardiola team that won the treble? Do you think, you know, if these two got on the pitch on the same time, obviously they'd have some of the same players, younger ages. Who do you think would win that, uh, win that match-up, Lawrence? If these teams played each other, I don't think it would be as far apart as some people might paint it. I mean, basically, they're two quality sides. I just think that Pep Guardiola's sides controlled the game more um, and probably scored slightly more intricate goals in a different way, different patterns, if you like. I'm inclined to, to agree with Lawrence. I think... There's a, there is this big debate about at the moment of, of possession and whether it's a case of who passed more rather than who passed better. Yeah, uh, Brendan. But I think in the case of Guardiola, that he's almost the exception to the rule because I think we can agree that actually they always seem to pass it with a purpose, whether it be attempting to break down the opponent or just trying to kind of tire them out so they could break through them easier later on. Um, and I think that would be the difference. I think they would make this current Barcelona team look a little bit like a, a kind of uh, a raging bull in an alleyway. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if Guardiola's team could stop uh, could stop uh, the MSN, but uh, that's uh, you know it's interesting. that stopped years ago, mate. You can't get on it anymore. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, so going forward, looking at Barcelona, obviously European champions. They won the treble. They've still got a transfer ban until January. That hasn't stopped them signing players. Or admittedly, they can't play until January. But going into next season, do you think Barcelona... That's not a transfer ban, all right? Well, it is a transfer ban. That's they not can't a register ban. the players. That's ridiculous. They can't register. No, it isn't. Yeah, but that's the point. Yeah, but then, therefore, you cannot make... Yeah, but you can't just go, can we reserve this one until the time when he will be fit? Right, you're kicking off, basically. You're saying Barcelona, uh, they're doing some I'm saying you tactics. can't... You can't. They find, yeah, basically, they found a way of subverting the system again. And the system, no one in the system's gone, yeah, well, hold on, we probably shouldn't do that. You can't just sign someone and go, well, we'll wait until after the ban. Well, I mean, obviously you can, and the player might say, I'm willing to wait, but it's weird. And the fact oh, is that transfer weird. has been made because money will exchange hands. Well, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. What I'm saying is... <laughs> what I'm saying Said is, the head of Spain's FA. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, um, the transfer ban, it could, it could affect them. In terms of they can sign whoever they want, apparently, but they, they might not be able to play. But going into next season, do you think this dominance of this team is going to continue? You look at last season, Real Madrid won the Decima, won the European Cup, but they couldn't continue that form in the league and in Europe. Do you think we're going to see a Barcelona team next year who could be the first team to retain the Champions League? Well, I thought it was is interesting with this whole Dani Alves thing, the fact that they've now oh, yeah. re-signed him. 
Mm. I would not be surprised if part of the reason is because of this transfer ban. They've obviously got Alex Vidal, who spent time with them uh, as a youngster, actually. He was only like a year or something, though. But clearly is being seen as the, the long-term replacement for someone like Alves. But I, I think we won't see a huge drop-off. And then what we have to maybe look at as well is that Barcelona B is in the, I think it's the third division in Spain as well. So there's maybe some talent that they can bring up from there because I'm constantly reading about how jam-packed full of talent that team is with Traore and uh, Juan Angel Roman and people like that. And Halilovic, the, the Croatian, the next Modric oh, yeah. apparently. So you would think almost there shouldn't be a huge fear because in theory they can dip from that talent pool as well and bring a few up. Um, and for that reason, I, I'd be inclined to think that we won't see a drop-off and perhaps, yeah, we, we could see the first team to ever retain this, this title if, if they get that, that kind of fortune with injuries and suspensions. So the good news for Barcelona fans is that Luis Enrique has extended his contract to 2017. So after the final, there was a little bit of uh, uncertainty about his future you know, put about by the manager himself. So, Lawrence, what do you think of this news? Is it good news for Barcelona? Obviously, as Kristen mentioned, Enrique didn't have a great time of it in the first half of the season, but he seems to have really pulled it together. Well, I mean, he seems to have pulled it together. Questions uh, were over the, I mean, his relationships with the players. Um, and obviously, those seem to have improved. Um, Barcelona fans are going to be feeling very happy towards him at the moment. Uh, what I would wonder is, when they start the next season um, and with, you know, a, a, re- a revived Real Madrid or reinvigorated by Rafa Benitez's side, uh, they're going to face a different kind of challenge next season. And, and you know, what, what does that mean? Because it's, essentially it's been a very different kind of challenge for them this season. And they, in the end, everyone else fell away, which meant they got away with it. Um, it doesn't mean they weren't playing wonderful football, but I think sometimes the point we made that La Liga isn't as strong as sometimes it's painted top to bottom. Kristen, what do you, what do you think about Enrique extending the contract? Um, is it definitely 2017 the year and not the time? <laughs> Just checking that he's not going to be off next week. Uh, no, but another joking, hour, guys. Jo- joking aside, I think you, he's in a position that means he's untouchable. I think to sack him now would essentially paint you in a similar light to, to Real Madrid in terms of being completely disposable with high-quality managers. I think... Yet, as we touched on, he, he's built something here and there's, there's little tweaks and nuances to his style. And I think it makes complete sense for the club to, to back him and, and keep him further. Because again, he may not be Barcelona born and bred, but I think he's ingrained in the club in the right ways to push forth the ideology and the ideals into kind of the next generation. How do you think, uh, Lawrence, that Rafa Benitez is going to do up against this team? Obviously, Carlo Ancelotti sacked uh, at the end of this season, having failed to win any significant silverware. Do you think Rafael Benitez is going to have a better time of it up against uh, Enrique and, and all these incredible players in the European Champions side? Well, I mean, back in the day, uh, Rafa Benitez was found to be able to st- stop Barcelona. Obviously, um, his Valencia side won the league against them, if we want to kick that far back. Um, or maybe you want to go as far back as when Liverpool did pretty well. Let's put, can, I, can I just put it this way, right? He got Craig Bellamy to play well against Barcelona. That's all that needs That's to be said. That's all you need to know about Rafa. Uh, so let's move on to a little bit of news closer to home. Uh, yesterday, Slaven Bilic was appointed as West Ham United manager. Lawrence, yeah. good move, good move. With the Slaven Bilic stuff, I mean, um, the, the point was made that obviously his international career sets him up with a pedigree, but then national career, um, he, he's probably gone further than West Ham have. But I mean, he could have won the league with Besiktas because of the opportunity they had in the Turkish league during a bit of a lull for other sides. That won't be the same kind of challenge here. And you think, well, if they change the manager, 
maybe they'll probably play a different, more kind of pragmatic football. Maybe they'll have a slightly more pragmatic press conference. But is he the right figure that West Ham need? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how another personality fits in with the, the management structure at West Ham, basically, and whether they think he'll take him forward. It seems as if what they're trying to do is push themselves into the next level of managers, and this is where they're beginning to shop, Chris. Yeah, it feels a bit underwhelming, though, given the names yeah, exactly. that, yeah. that were linked before the likes of Bielsa and, uh, and I Emery and such, and this is who they've come with. I mean, he's, he's certainly no slouch. I think he's done a decent enough job in, in Turkey, and he did seem to bring on some decent young talents they brought in, like Gok and Tor of, of Chelsea and uh, Ozekup, who was at Arsenal as a, a youngster. So I think if, if West Ham want him to do something similar with them and maybe sign some young English players like they have with Cresswell and, and build them up to that next level, he's probably the guy you want. The difficulty I think he and any candidate who'd, who'd taken that job is you're going into a huge stadium and you have to try and fill it. And I know he's touched on that and, and fair play to him because he could have tried to avoid the question entirely, but... The issue remains is that that stadium could very quickly become a, a ball and chain for West Ham and they have to, I know we hear a lot about the West Ham way and I think that's a bit of a misnomer that's thrust on West Ham fans. I don't think they're that desperate to play beautiful football every week, but I think they want a team that aspires to to try and play with some kind of uh, you know pleasing style. And I think he's going to have to, to bring that out, partly because he's been seen as, as better than Sam Allardyce, so he has to improve on him in terms of league position and achievement, but also because, you know, he's, he's I imagine, being paid a lot of money to do so. And the other big bit of news yesterday, uh, shocking news that took me completely by surprise, was uh, John Carver has been sacked by Newcastle. Uh, not because he was sacked, yeah, but shocking. I, I, I already for thought him, had, shocking. I already thought he had been sacked, which was what I found more oh, right, shocking. Okay. Um, but yeah, John Carver is gone. Uh, Christum, as the man in the northeast, there, are you, are you going to cry yourself to sleep tonight? We've let go of the best coach in the Premier League. Um, he said so himself. Yeah, it must be true. Yeah. Um, says tall, dark, and handsome Kristen Hennig. Um, <laughs> it, it's. It, I think it was an untenable position for him because of the six months he had, the criticizing players, all those kind of things. I I said on Twitter myself. I think that it's a, a good sign if you're looking to try and evaluate um, Mike Ashley's decisions because it shows that he's willing to spend a little bit of money to get rid of these guys and bring in people better and back the new manager who, you know, is Steve McLaren. Um, and that's a good sign. It's it's the first step of many that need to be taken this summer. And, and hopefully, from a Newcastle fan perspective, they make those steps quickly and effectively because I think even one misstep could really set them back because they do have to, to start quickly this season because they can't afford to have that, that kind of season that they finished on last. Uh, Lawrence, what do you think about Steve McLaren? He's the new man coming in to replace John Carver. Tough act to follow, especially for the journalists who got so many great quotes from Carver. But uh, in terms of McLaren, do you think he, he's the man for the job at Newcastle? I think maybe you're underestimating where the story is supposed to come from. Um, but, I mean, in, in terms of act, it, Steve McLaren... Uh, does have his own kind of pragmatism. I do think he is, apparently he's quite an endearing man. Um, but apparently there are some interesting uh, stories to do with Steve and the fact, you know, that he's made good relationships with journalists in the past. And I'd imagine that he'll do similar because Chris, I mean, you know, he has, he has a history in that area in the first place. And I'd imagine that, that part of the thinking will be that he can develop some youth at that club, right? I think, that, I think he has to. I think what is interesting as well is you have to look at the way they've developed talent recently. Newcastle certainly haven't. 
they've had guys like Adam Campbell, Adam Armstrong come into the first team and never progress. Um, and, and that's a genuine concern. I mean, Adam Campbell was just released this week. And yet you look just in the shadow of there, Middlesbrough, uh, you have people like Ben Gibson coming through who's playing for the England in the 21s that you and I spoke to last week and seems to, to really represent uh, the fact that the region does have talent, that it, it does have the ability to produce professional footballers, I would say capable of playing in the top league. But at the minute, they're not being given the support and infrastructure to, to reach that goal. Because I think, as we can say, talent is one thing, but you need the development process as well and the right tools to do that. And I think that's where you're looking for McLaren to come in and do something, is perhaps take those those things he learned at Middlesbrough and to a lesser degree at 20 in Wolfsburg and Derby and, and bring it in. And I think that's yeah. a good thing, is if you look at Derby, he did seem to have an eye for a player that maybe wasn't, in the centre of the radar, the likes of Simon Dawkins and, and people like that, and, and be able to extract something from them. And make a good relationship with them too, yeah. Uh, Kristen, do you think things are really going to change in Newcastle, regardless of the manager? I mean, we were talking about Real Madrid um, a couple of weeks ago when the Benitez news broke, and I was sort of trying to say that it, it doesn't really matter who the manager is at Real Madrid, as long as the, the club president that is there, Florentino Perez, things are never going to change at that club. Do you feel the same with Newcastle and Mike Ashley I know he came out at the end of last season and sort of said you know I'm not leaving here until we win the trophy top four finish counts as that can you really see them improving upon last season or do you think while Mike Ashley's there they're sort of in this purgatory of always going to be in the in the bottom half well that's that's the thing I think you know Ashley's come out and, and tried to build some bridges by talking to people um but equally you, you do kind of lead with the past on this one and say that he's consistently broken promises and misled people. So what's to say that actually uh, McLaren isn't just the new party, this holdover that keeps them in mid-table? I would like to think, being an optimist, that things have changed and that actually there's going to be some kind of middle ground sort between what the fans want, which is ambition and sporting integrity, but also what Mike Ashley wants, which is a more conservative fiscal approach that doesn't look to risk things and actually looks to get the maximum for the club for the for the money that they spend. The next bit of news is kind of straying into transfer news territory, but uh, Jose Mourinho has come out and hinted he could stop any potential deal uh, for Petr Cech to go to Arsenal. Um, he's come out today and he said uh, he respects a lot of people who do important things for the club. Since 2004 to 2014-15, Cech has had 10 years of success with the club, 10 years of unbelievable behaviour. I will have to accept any decision that the owner has. I'm different. I have the same respect for Petter that anybody has at the club, but my answer to a proposed move to Arsenal, in brackets, would be no way. So what do you reckon? Is this Jose Mourinho being fair enough? He doesn't want to sell, uh, you know... Fair enough. The player is his asset. The player is his asset, isn't it? I mean, he can well, it's not his basically. Uh, he's standing away with a goalkeeper playing first team football. He's asking Petr Cech, very experienced, probably a goalkeeper, um, still in his prime because of you know his, his age, um, to to play second fiddle to Courtois. And you know, I, I don't think that's selfish because you should be able to utilise the squad. But at the same time, uh, you know, if Petr Cech wants to go there's going to be a very limited amount of choice that he gets um and if arsenal want him it's going to be i mean it's especially with chelsea trying to balance the books it's going to be difficult for him to turn that down i think um the difficulty there is especially if petr Cech wants to go and play first team football somewhere else Mourinho's not going to want to stand in his way because he obviously doesn't want people pulling away from the cause 
Uh, Kristen, what do you what do you think the best move for Pedacek is? Do you think he, you know he'd be better off going to Arsenal, a team who many are saying can challenge for the Premier League title next season, or think he should you know sack it off to Roma or PSG, two other clubs who have been linked with him? Or do you think he should just go uh, sit it out at Chelsea? I wouldn't sit it out at Chelsea. I think that's a, a bad idea. I think you have to accept that Courtois is seen as the long term successor, and there's no reason for Chelsea to to essentially depose. Uh, Courtois makes more sense for them to stick with him and and ride any bumps that he has although he doesn't look like having them anytime soon I think I'm going to be a lot more kind of subjective in evaluating and say I'd be tempted to give PSG a chance perhaps even Roma I'm not sure what is to be gained by going to Arsenal um, because I think at the minute there's a little bit of a merry-go-round with them in terms of their goalkeepers it seems like at times the Chesney and Ospina are on level pegging and I'm not sure if kind of check would, would instantly command the starting spot. And equally, if Fenger would even be, be that interested in taking him. I think, it, you know, he's played in France already. I think a return to there wouldn't be a terrible idea. Same with with, uh, with Italy. I think uh, going to Italy is quite a good idea at the moment because I think it's a league on the rise. Whether Roma is the best option, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. So I think if I was him, I'd, I'd be looking to move abroad rather than kind of across the city. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is our wrap-up of all the news uh, for the week so far. Uh, after this, we'll move on to a little bit of transfer talk. So, let's talk a little bit of the transfers from the last week. The transfer window, even though it's not it's not officially open, is it? Or is it? I thought it was July 1st. Uh, yeah, no, it is July 1st, isn't it? Yeah, so it hasn't even properly opened and already it's kicked into gear. We've had a number of confirmed deals. Uh, yesterday, the big deal was Sami Kadira has gone to Juventus on a free transfer. It's huge deal. Huge. That's, that's humongous. Kristen, obviously free transfer, end of his contract. Kadira uh, at Real Madrid. He never quite really hit the heights that maybe you'd, you'd hoped he would have. Injuries obviously had a part to play in that, but... Do you think it's a good move for Juventus to snap him on a free, obviously an injury-prone kind of player? I, I think it is. Um, you know, if we look at this Juventus side and the fact they've reached the Champions League final, part of that is because they've become quite good in terms of transfers and investments. They've able to to make deals like Pirlo for for free and Vidal for ten million and Pogba for a, a nominal fee with with compensation. So, for me, he's the next in that line almost. I mean, they haven't been exempt from busts themselves, but the ones that have worked have worked exceptionally, and I think, as I say, for me, he's the the next in line for that one. Why, why, why go to you? I mean, I suppose it's a great challenge to go to Juve, um, and maybe he feels like the pace of the league would suit him ahead of the Premier League. Do you think people? Do you think maybe he? Him, I mean, it's speculation, but maybe there were people a couple of years ago posting him for maybe an Arsenal move or something like that. And I just wonder. I, I don't know. It just it just it seemed like such a perfect fit just a few years ago, didn't it? And now, not so much. I think that's part of it. I mean, I'm not sure what you think, Adam, but yeah, that that would be my thought, is that it perhaps mm. suits his skill set and at older age. Yeah. Yeah, the older age does really count. How old is uh, Sammy Kadira? 45? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting on a bit, isn't he? He's still going. Fair play to him. Um, yeah, no, I think... I, I believe he's late 20s. Yeah, I think he's 28, 29. As you point out, Grissom, that midfield... It's unfair to say that Sammy Kadira is old at the age of 28. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> it really is, yeah. I mean, but, but that, that, it, it's not, I mean, that's only two years off some of us. But um, I think the point there would be that it's to do with injuries and the fact that he has not, not slowed down because of that, because actually we've not had enough to, time to assess him. But, we're, you know, I mean, Juve play in a very different pace of league. And I, I just wonder whether that suits him a little bit better. Uh, the other big news, obviously, this week, uh, we've seen Liverpool throwing their weight about. They've signed up Danny Ings. Throwing uh, their free <laughs> weight about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've signed up Danny Ings. Not a free transfer. Um, Liverpool are going to have to pay some compensation to Burnley because he's leaving on a free, technically, but he is an un- player under 24. So um, Burnley will be due some money there. Looking like seven million. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's decided by a number like- of factors. There's, there's, I'm trying to think. I, I read this quite recently. It's... Um, the club that he's going from, the club he's going to, how much mm. the club he's going to have offered him, yep. that kind of thing, they all contribute to, to one kind of fee and it, it varies player to player. Yeah. So Burnley, wait, is, is that is that, that's not just put through a system? Is that not just put through a system? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. System, or do, or do the clubs kind of... Because apparently, if Liverpool wanted to, they could push it to some sort of a tribunal in a way. Yeah. There's say, an arbitrator, I believe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. First off, they try and agree a fee, but if they can't, and they're, at the moment they're negotiating, then it goes to an independent tribunal who decide. So it could be, you know, they might look at all the facts, including the fact that Tottenham offered 10 million, so therefore they might say, ah, yeah, let's bump up the money. Um, but either way, a lot of these signings have been getting a mixed reception on the old social medias. Um, I saw one great tweet that said, uh, if James Milner is the answer, what is the question? Which I thought was quite amusing. The question is, who did Liverpool <laughs> start by? Who did Liverpool buy the, the first the, the yeah. signing this summer? It was a really good up. free transfer. I thought the best one was... I, I personally thought the best Sign, one was... We signings? Asked for signings, oh. not yeah, signings. Yeah, we asked for signings, not, not signings. signings. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, but the, 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 point, the point was also made, and it's got to be a coherent point here, is that if this is the beginning of the signings that's fine if this is the end of the signings that's not fine <laughs> this is a problem it's that simple well for example okay so Lawrence you are a Liverpool fan so let's see what you think about this but Divock Origi is coming in to the club you've got Daniel Sturridge yeah and now you have the man himself Danny Ings yeah so you, you, you're looking like you're probably going to shift yeah. on Ricky Lambert tragically Mario Balotelli has gone as well but you're looking like that's three strikers you've got then um, Brendan Rodgers is playing with one striker. Why is Balotelli gone? Oh, well, I'm just okay. Maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, but I assume having four strikers on there, you know, okay. you know, Barini's probably off as well if they can shift him. Yeah. But for example, Liverpool fans, uh, maybe they've changed their mind after the FA Cup final, but they wanted to see the signing of Christian Benteke. You'd maybe argue 
that doesn't seem likely now, the fact they're going to have three strikers on their books. So therefore, is Danny yeah. Ings a problem for Liverpool fans? Because they're seeing this as the limit of Liverpool's ambitions in terms of strengthening their forward line, which infamously scored half the goals last season it did the season before. Well, I, I think I, I think you're, you're generalising on one mass of people. Um, but I would say, like, I think my answer already covered that. If this is the beginning of the signing of strikers and they get a second striker, I'm sure everyone will be happy. If they don't, then I, I think that people will be beginning to question Liverpool's transfer policy. But you can't question the policy until the summer's over because we don't know what other That's deals... As I said, the transfer window has not opened. But all I'm saying is the evidence would suggest they're not, exactly. they're not about to go and splash £30 million on Christian Benteke when they've just got another striker in. They've got three recognised strikers. But, like you say, we'll see what happens. Reserve judgment on Rodgers until then. Mate, uh, look, look, how many strikers they, look how many strikers they thought they had last season. They had four. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It didn't really work so out. So looking for a fourth. Um... Kristen, in terms of James Milner then, uh, he was offered £165,000 a week at Manchester City to extend his contract. They were obviously keen to keep a homegrown player on their books, but he's opted to go to Liverpool. So do you think this is a good move for him? Uh, and what, what do you reckon he can bring to, to Liverpool that they're going to be missing? I think he brings dependency. Um, you can kind of rely on him. He's consistent. He's perhaps not the most dynamic. I think earlier in his career there was there was a lot more to his game when he was at Villa and he was perhaps given a bit more responsibility. Whereas I feel like as he's progressed in his career, he's been sh- kind of shunted down this path of being, uh, you know, Mister Reliable um, and being given a job and doing that job. I remember there's a famous quote. Um, I think it was Gazetta in Italy talking about him playing against Italy and saying, "While well, everyone else played a water polo match." Milner did laps um, and and that for me is a little bit of a microcosm of his career is that I don't think you'll see him kind of win games single-handedly for Liverpool but he will give you uh, a bit more support to those players who maybe are a bit more decisive in the final third the likes of Coutinho he'll make it so they have more space and an opportunity to play so in that sense, I think it's a good signing. Um, he'll support the underwhelmingness that Liverpool have. <laughs> I think I, I do. I just think he'll he'll give them a big game experience as well. I think at times they've lacked that. They've lacked the mentality side of things. And credit to him, in recent years, he's gone and done big things. So you would think that he's arriving with his best years ahead of him and an ambition to to return to the top, ideally with Liverpool. Uh, the other confirmed transfer we did touch on it um, briefly there. At uh, the start of the show, Alex Vidal has gone to Barcelona. I did say, you know, he can't play until January. He can't be registered until then. Um, Dani Alves has also signed a new contract to Barcelona. A lot of people were expecting Vidal was going to replace him. But it looks like, at least for yeah. next season, or at least until January, uh, they're going to be competing for a place. Kristen, uh, what, what do you make of Vidal? You know, obviously with Sevilla, won the, the Europa League this season. A, a very attacking right back in the Dani Alves mould. So what, what do you reckon he's going to bring to Barcelona? Well, I had a... a an interesting conversation quite recently with a, a friend out in Spain um, who works in football and he said that clubs could have had Vidal for as little as, uh, I think it was a million euros when he was at Almeria, but no one kind of took the recommendations that he was worth kind of taking on board and keeping and <clears throat> I think Everton had a, a bid for him as well and, and so his, his reputation has risen quite dramatically and I think it's quite interesting that to replace Dani Alves they've gone back to Sevilla to buy another player because I think it's, it's something ridiculous that they've spent 123 million pounds or euros rather on Sevilla players that cost Sevilla just 12 and a half over the years. Um, and I think the thing with him is he's a winger that's being converted to a fullback. Now that worked for Alves. 
I think it can work for Vidal as well, but it's going to take some time. The benefit he's got is that Barcelona, a fullback at Barcelona is not a fullback at QPR. Um, you're expected to do different things, and for that reason, I think he will likely succeed at the club, and, and I would imagine we'll probably get national team exposure off the back of it. In terms of non-confirmed transfers, spurious rumours that have been doing the rounds, uh, one that keeps coming back has been, you know, this is a long-running rumour, Robin van Persie to Juventus. So, um, Robin mm, van Persie How many strikers is, do they need? Well, let me, let me explain the situation. Uh, Robin van Persie is entering the final 12 months of his contract. Um, you know, loss of form injuries have sort of limited his impact at Old Trafford, especially last season. Carlos Tevez, despite the fact that uh, Juventus reached the Champions League final and have won their fourth Serie A in a row, he's been linked to return to Boca Juniors. So the, the talk is he's going back to Boca or PSG are going to come in for a bid. So either way, Tevez could be leaving. Do you think Robin Van Persie is a good man to replace him at Juventus? Um, I was I was actually just looking at some stats, but I, I can't seem to find them. Um, well, um, if, if no. If only Dave were here, we'd be doing it really much. Yeah, if only Dave was here. Uh, no, no, I don't. No, I don't think he is. I don't think he's consistently on the pitch enough. I think that he's probably suffered at United. I'd imagine there will be points where he'll have somewhat of a renaissance at Juventus. And I do think he's a fantastic technical player. He'll probably thrive in a league like Serie A. But I do think that it's. Uh, it, you know, it's not really a like for like change, is it? And I think that the the fact is that Juventus have thrive with that sort of player and Robin Van Persie is not that sort of player. Uh, Kristen, what do you make of Robin Van Persie's current situation? Obviously, he moved to Manchester United. There was a lot of fanfare, a lot of buzz about it back in 2012. That first season, he's credited with being one of the driving forces behind that title win in Sir Alex Ferguson's last season. Since then, it hasn't really quite gone to plan for him. Do you think his time's up at Man United or do you think the club should sort of keep him on and you know he could, he could still be a useful asset? I, th I think I think his time is up. I think he never was the long-term solution. I think he was a means to an end. They needed a, a goal scorer to take the burden away from Rooney slightly, and they got that. And I think if you look at his injury record when he was at Arsenal, he wasn't consistent on the pitch. And as a consequence of that, I think Man United knew he would never be consistent for them. They, they just wanted that short-term burst. Um, and the fact that now he's being linked with the likes of Juventus, and I think Lazio as well was another one he was linked to, it makes sense with the year on his deal just, just to allow him to leave. I think keeping him around is only going to make it harder to to uh, integrate the new guys, the likes of Memphis Depay, who mm -hmm. I think is is a much bigger indicator of the future at Manchester United than Robin Van Persie will be. Um, and if you can make some money back, then you take that because his, his salary isn't cheap. Um, and at the minute, for all the talk we're hearing of Man United spending money in its 200 million figure, they do need to recoup some as well because FFP has to be in the head. A number of other things have to be considered. And so, to me, it makes sense just to dispense with it. In terms of transfer rumours, the other ones uh, doing the round uh, around Chelsea. So, mm -hmm. Chelsea, obviously, uh, Diego Costa, there's a few question marks over his future, some reports. Not anymore. Yeah, OK, but you know what they say no yeah. smoke without fire uh, so there was reports he wanted to return to Atletico Madrid like you pointed out Lawrence They've sometimes of... smoke without fire <laughs> okay fair enough um, but anyway the rumours yeah. doing the rounds are Chelsea are looking for a new striker they're looking to bring someone yeah. in the name constantly being linked with them which surprised me is Radamel Falcao so the talk is they are yeah. going to bring him in on loan 
what would you make of that? You know, obviously he had a tough time of it last year at Manchester United. You could you could say blame Louis van Gaal for, for not playing him or maybe just didn't fit that team. But I mean, do you think he's a good move for Chelsea to bring him in on loan and pay those astronomical wages? Listen, Adam, listen, all right, listen, all right, listen, all he needs is an arm, listen, right? All he needs is an arm around his shoulder. He needs someone who's going to treat him in the way that he wants to be treated. El Tigre needs to be treated in the way El Tigre wants. Um, if you go with that, then I think you've got a Radamel Falcao who looks pretty good. Look at him integrating back into this Columbia side, etc., etc. Interesting. Um, the other striker who's been linked with him is actually Gonzalo Higuain that has been linked with Chelsea. Another spurious rumour. Not too sure about that one. Kristen, you know, toss up. Would you rather have Falcao or uh, Higuain at Chelsea? Who do you think is going to do more of a job uh, for Jose Mourinho and who do you reckon is going to be the better signing? I think Higuain. I think the, the concern with Falcao is yeah. um, I looked at, or I saw rather some kind of these analytics guys on Twitter and they pointed out the fact that non-penalty goals, he was Look, quite far down is. the list um, in, in La Liga. This is Falcao, sorry. Um, and I think that, the fact that, again, he has these knee injuries, you can't ignore those. To me, it just makes more sense to, to go for Higuain because he's going to be of similar price, if not a little bit more, perhaps even less, given the fact that he doesn't seem that settled at Napoli. Um, and and, and for those reasons, to Costa. just makes sense. He, he brings something different to Costa as well, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. game-wise. I, th- I think know, he's, uh, little, uh, he's also an extremely hard worker. But, I mean, then... It wasn't. Was it Mourinho who would have? Uh, I don't. I, Mourinho didn't get rid of him. He got rid of him. Uh, they, he was gotten rid of before Mourinho got there, wasn't he? I believe so. Was it? I'm trying to think. Mourinho got to Real. So um, would have. I mean, yeah. I think Mourinho appreciates the players who you know put in put in the shift. Um, and I think that you know Gonzalo Higuain when he when he left uh, when he when he left Real Madrid was described. Well, they basically said he works too hard, um, which is tricky. So you know. There you have it. There's a little bit of transfer tittle-tattle for you there. Let's move on to the questions. The guys have been firing in the questions, Lawrence. The fans. These, uh, you know, I'm always amazed at how many people are firing Don't call them fans. Makes you sound like such a humble wanker. What's the the word I'm looking for? Just say people. Normal human beings have sent normal human emails. All the people who like listening to us talk about football have sent in some great questions. (laughs) You're assuming that they like it. Why else would they listen? Well, because I, I listen to certain things. I don't get a kick out of it all the time. I'm just saying, just read, the, read, what, read what our fans have to say. <laughs> you're, you're in, man. You're telling me you listen to things you don't like. These guys, they like the show. They're sending in the questions. Otherwise, they wouldn't like it. I don't, I, that's such an assumption. All I'm saying is not <laughs> human people. So normal I, human think, human again, human. I think that is a fair assumption to assume that the people... Just because you send any... I send loads of emails every day. It doesn't mean I like them. I think it's fair to assume... The people who are on Twitter tweeting us questions like the show. Otherwise, why would they tweet us questions? <laughs> anyway, listen. Here's the questions. Right, first question. I'm going to put it to Lawrence, this one. Seeing as he, he's, he's such a fan of yeah. the questions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ King, yeah, yeah. he says, Andre yeah, Ayew yeah. to Swansea. Yeah. Thoughts? Good addition? Pacey, winger? I think, I think yeah, exactly. I think it was fit very well I think that they they brought him back for Timmy Gomez not long ago who's obviously slightly more central um, but it was somebody who was quite attacking I think he had quite a lot of um, excitement surrounding him but obviously fell out of the club over time I would like to see what you can do there I, I think that uh, that essentially shows where Swansea are trying to aim this summer right Chris? Yeah I think that they're, try- they're showing ambition again I think he's you know he's been at Marseille he's, by all accounts been very good there 
So to me, it makes sense yeah. to, to try and get him in. And again, for fits, the fact that he won't cost anything. <laughs> yeah. At Kazola Assist is saying, what are your thoughts on football slash soccer in America? So there's only one man to come to for this one. That is Kristen. Kristen, how it's about... How about you give us a little update on the MLS in terms of which teams are standing out? Don't say the MLS, mate. It angers him. Oh, it angers him. You're poking. Oh, I know, I'm a pedant for that as You're well. I'm poking fucked up. a bear. MLS, Kristen, which teams are sort of standing out? Which players yeah. are standing You're out? You're a pedant with, for with, that. <laughs> which teams, which players are standing out with the, with the season underway over there? Uh, Sebastian Giovinco is continuing to pull the pants down of defenders across the league. Um he did it again at the, the weekend against DC United, scored two brilliant goals. Um, and I think the more you watch him, the more you think long-term he will not be in this league because I think eventually someone in Europe will be tempted to bring him back. Um, what kind of level, though, Chris? Like, would you, I mean, could you see him at somewhere like a Swansea, maybe? Possibly. I think he needs to be... I just think he needs to be the kind of... the central point of any attack. That's why he's thriving in Toronto, is because they're running everything through him. And equally... In Altador, he has a striker who understands how he works. I mean, they played a lovely little dummy interchange at the weekend for his uh, second goal. And it's, yeah, it, it works because he's doing um, what he needs to do to succeed in terms of having a team that plays into him. Yeah. As, as for teams that are thriving, I mean, you know, you've got DC. That was a, a rare loss for them. I think it was like a 20 game home run, unbeaten run that they'd had. They're top of the East, um, Seattle at the top of the West, who with Dempsey and, and Martins look great, but then also have guys on the fringes contributing the likes of Chad Barrett and more recently Marco Papa, who <laughs> the, I was speaking to the, the media officer at Seattle a couple of weeks ago about um, some stuff, and he said that Papa is the Mick Jagger of Guatemala, which I think is just a wonderful line. Yeah, that is a good line, actually. Well, um, I also, I love when people compare two singers. So Xavi recently was compared, he was, it was said that he was the George Harrison of, uh, of, of the football world. I thought it was rather nice. You said that last week. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'm just trying to really hammer the point home, <laughs> make people write in about their favourite singers as footballers. Who would be Jesse J? That's all I want to know. Oh, it doesn't everyone. Hey, oh, no, no, do you know who Jesse J would be? Do you know who Jesse J would be? Do you know who Jesse J would be? Ibrahim Sterling. It's not about the money, money, money. <laughs> uh, Kristen, uh, folks on the MLS, um, obviously Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard are on their way MLS. over there. Sorry, they're on their way to yeah. MLS. <laughs> what about the Frank Lampard? What, so you know the Frank Lampard and the Stephen Gerrard. Uh, Gerrard's on his way to the LA Galaxy and uh, Lampard's on his way to yeah. the New York City uh, FC. How do you think they're going to get over there? How do you think they're going to fit in? And what do you think they're going to be able to bring to those teams? Well, quality is... is definitely what they're going to be able to bring I think Gerard has the better situation um, because he's going in there with an established coach in Bruce Arena someone who's won uh, you know that, that club's won five MLS championships so already from the beginning they're a lot more settled they have the likes of Robbie Keane who is already thriving in that league a lot of good young talent coming through as well uh, Lampard I do kind of feel sorry for because he's he's kind of entering a burning building at this point because New York did win at the weekend, sorry, New York City FC, um, as not to annoy Red Bulls fans, did win at the weekend, but it's that's a rare light in what has been quite a dark season for them. They've really struggled to build a team together. And I, Jason Christ has just made some bizarre decisions of late. I mean, he, he finally put Poku in uh, into the starting lineup, having seen him play quite well whenever he's had an opportunity, and yet seemed to take him off after he got them uh, the game-tying assist. So, 
it's difficult for them. I think, as is often will be the case with New York City FC, you constantly see big names linked. If it's not Pirlo, it's Ashley Cole or Xavi. I think they just need some consistency from the guys a little bit lower on the, the salary sheet, if I'm really honest. I think at the minute they're a mesh of, of too many ideas and really, as is often the case with expansion sides, they struggle in the first year because they're just trying to build something and not every brick lands as, as seamlessly as the last and, and sometimes you have to work through that and that's what they're doing at the minute. I love when Kristen speaks. I quite like it. Maybe we should get yeah. him as the, the MLS correspondent. You know, like, you dial him up. Maybe we should get him as an MLS correspondent. Yeah, he could be the MLS correspondent. Not the MLS, but the correspondent. Oh, saying? right, okay. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, thanks for your really. chat about MLS, Kristen. That was very informative. Thanks, thanks for your chat, bruv. <laughs> um, listen, one more question before we wrap it up, because, um, you know, time is of the essence. I quite like the question from the Ryan Petcher on Twitter. He said, should some sort of video review system be implemented into football to minimise refereeing errors? Now, I'm all for this. I yes. love it. I think, you know, <laughs> all the arguments about slowing down the game, I think it's all rubbish. Are you guys on the same page, or you you want one I think of those, you just you want to see the purity think, of the game? Okay, so if if you want okay, if, so if you want to talk about the purity of the game, then you're probably going to want to say you shouldn't wear boots, you shouldn't wear this, you shouldn't wear that, you shouldn't be able to develop technology in other areas, um, because I mean that that's really just a luddite view of things. That's yeah, nothing to do with purity. I think um, saying you know you want to maintain the purity of the game is like saying you want to reject medicine to maintain the purity of life. <laughs> Exactly. Can you imagine that in hospital? Yeah, well, that's actually a good <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that is actually a good one. Um, but but it, it, it's worth saying that, you know, if you can find um, seamless integration of it, so, you know, a vibrating watch on the referee's wrist, those kind of things, you can, what we will probably find over the next few years, the referees will implement it more and more because behind the scenes, things are happening um, that we probably don't get to see because they worry that the tests don't go well or they worry that, it, you know, it'll cause a furor in the media. And the fact is that, you know, they're, they're not as transparent because of the sensationalism that goes on in the media with these sorts of things as soon as the media see some you know a video or something they think well you know is that going to happen and people start asking all sorts of stupid questions and we just don't need that we need someone who's actually gonna bring things forward Kristen, i want to come to you because from my point of view i think technology and football in terms of video replays and all this sort of stuff i think it's inevitable and we're going to get there eventually but what do you make of those people who say it's inevitable the guys who make the argument, they say, oh, we can't have video technology there because we'd have nothing to talk about down the pub. Wankers. <laughs> I, I'm concerned if all you talk about down the pub is a miscalled offside. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to your pub, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Because you, you guys don't take it's medicine. Like shit you don't wear boots. You don't wear clothes. You don't flush your toilets. Yeah, you know... And did you see what happened in the Middle East? No, yeah, but yeah. how shocking was that corner in the 64th minute? <laughs> I guess also the kind of people that say I don't want a flushing toilet it would bring me something I mean, that gives me this yeah but oh, I mean you I'm know like you could, you could say that about um, goal line technology so you'd, these people would probably argue before that was brought in oh. they'd be like oh no but I'm saying these people would argue oh you know oh where's the ambiguity we like talking about that I think it's actually made the game ten times better it's like more enjoyable having the goal line technology there it just makes it quicker it just yeah. means that we don't have those claims that we don't need and the it, thing I love literally, it's like people saying I don't want a flushing toilet the thing because I, it ruins the way that shit the thing I absolutely love about goal line technology is uh, last season you'd still see players who hadn't quite got used to the fact there was goal line technology and they'd appeal either way 
and he was like, mate, he's got on his yeah, watch a hundred percent. There's no point. They were going, oh no, 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 yeah. It's like there's no point in arguing this. His Apple Watch is telling him. His Apple Watch is telling him. Right, anyway, guys, uh, thank you for all your questions. If you want to submit more questions, get us on Twitter at the front free with the number free, not the word. Um, we didn't have much time for questions this week, but next week we'll try and pile through loads of them. Seeing as it's the end of the season, you know, it'll mainly be transfer chat and questions and all that sort of stuff. And hopefully Dave will be back as well uh, after his absence. But uh, Kristen, Kristen, thank you for, for stepping in a late notice substitute appearance. A fantastic addition to the show. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be dialing you up again soon for some MLS touch chat. Touchwood, Dave's back, yeah. Yeah, Touchwood. Yeah, yeah. Touch um, you were great, but God, Dave, you better come back. <laughs> yeah. So to all those, to everyone who's listening to the show who obviously loved hearing you speak, where can the good people find more of your work, Kristen? At yeah, <laughs> no, uh, and then he'll direct you on to mine. Um, hey, Chris, where are but you? No, I'm, I'm at K H E N E A G E, and and to be honest, at the moment, a lot of my stuff is is Major League Soccer and U.S. Men's National Team. I'm just spoke to Benny Failharbor, the star who sang No Air. Ooh. I think it was on all the blog sites many years ago. Ah, very yeah, good. yeah. Very blog good. sites. What like <laughs> men's health? There you go. <laughs> Hit him up on Twitter. Follow him there for your MLS uh, US men's team chat. Uh, Lawrence, what about you? Where can the good people find more of your work? Just go online and Google at Lovescast, uh, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. What about you, Adam? You can find me at Adam Boltwood on Twitter. And you can also find me on YouTube now at The Football Republic. Oh. Uh, the channel URL is uh, The Football Rep. We're actually going to have a little show up today, I believe, with Lawrence He's doing a little bit of transfer talk, so check it out. Yeah, it's really going to be quite something, I think. Um, But anyway, yes, thank you very much for listening to episode eight. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We'll be back next Wednesday with episode nine, hopefully with Dave. Um, So we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.